Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Get with me, if you will, in your Bibles. Let's go ahead and stand together. How many of you have your booklets with you? Okay, grab your booklets. Stand together in the reading of God's Word. Grab your Bibles. Let's go ahead and go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Right now, we are in the second chapter of Hebrews, and we learned last week about verse chapter 1 talked to us about what Jesus who he was and remember the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrews those Jews enduring their time that were still practicing some of the law some of the tradition they were still so close to Uh, the old ways that the writer of Hebrews tries to break it down and talks about the tabernacle. Uh, We started to talk about angels, how in the Old Testament and what they were accustomed to was angels delivering the word. But now in this time, God has spoken to us through his son. How many of you remember that? So he speaks through Jesus to the church. And we learned a whole lot during that time, uh, during that, that one session. But this one, we're going into not, what, not who Jesus is, but what he did. What he did. And I'm going to read you the very beginning. If you'll find your booklet, we're going to read the introduction to this together on the booklet. So the summary of this chapter actually talks about the role of Christ in salvation. Jesus was briefly humbled and took on human form so he could taste death for everyone. It was fitting that Jesus, through whom everything exists, was the author of salvation. He shared in humanity and humanity so that through his death he might destroy the works, uh, destroy him who holds the power of death. We must pay close attention to what the scripture tells us in chapter 2. We must pay close attention to this so we don't ignore such great salvation. And that's what chapter 2 is summarized in. So let's go ahead and go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. I'm going to open up with the New Living Translation. Then I'm going to start with verse 15 into uh, the rest of it. Verse 14 says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as human beings could He die. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Verse 15 in the New King James, it says it like this, And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. How many of you know that you were subject to bondage? You were in, in bonds. You were, you were a prisoner of death before Jesus found you. How many of you know that, that the blood of Jesus has set you free and now you, you're not a captive to, to sin or death anymore, but you're captive for love unto life and abundant life. How many of you are thankful for abundant life? And so the scripture says, verse 16, for indeed he does not give aid to the angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. And you are the seed of Abraham, your offsprings by faith, what we learned in the scripture. 
Therefore, verse 17, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren or his brothers, that he may be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God and to make propitiation for the sins of the people. That word actually means he gave himself fully to become the sacrificial lamb. So what he is saying here, he is saying that Jesus, because he was speaking the Hebrew customs and the language that they understood, they were accustomed to the high priest going in once a year, following the rituals that the priests would make from the animal sacrifices to the washing and the labor to the holy place, and the high priest would go in and make intercession for all the people. But now he said Jesus has become the high priest. And he's trying to help them understand that Christ was the Messiah. And verse 18 says, For in that he himself suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. In other words, because of what he went through, you now have the benefit of his suffering in your life that whatever you go through, he'll help you overcome it. He'll help you overcome it. I hope today you brought your praise on. Someone's asked us before, What's, what do I wear to your church? What do, where's y'all's church? Well, we ask you to wear a great attitude, put on a smile, and put your worship on. Because when you step in the house, we want you to be ready to receive from God. Are you ready for today's word? Will you pray right now? Will you pray and ask God to just bless the service right now? Will you pray that God will give me the words just in wisdom and love and just discernment in this house? Father, we receive it today. We ask you to bless this word. Bless everyone watching online right now, Lord. Bless everyone that's in this building right now. we got a full house. Had one this morning as well. And we're so thankful, Father, for your blessings in our life. Today is the day that we choose to rejoice in this day, God, and we accept all your promises in Jesus' name, and somebody say amen. Amen. Give God one more hand clap. Come on, tell him you love him. Thank you, Father. Thank you in Jesus' name. You can be seated. Thank you for standing with us. So as you turn in your booklets, you can go ahead and inscribe the chapter and the verses for our text, and let me give you some introduction to what we're going to be talking about here this Sunday morning. For me to think about God looking from the beginning of time, looking into a blah world. You know, when you read the book of Genesis, God looked at the darkness. And before God looked at darkness, before God looked into the future, it first was in his mind. Similar to you, we are in the image of God, and God made us in his likeness. So before you have worked out a plan, you have planned out the work. Am I right? You've come up with the design, the ideas, and, well, God did the same thing. And when I think about this, I remember the song of one writer who wrote a, a song called He Saw Me. And it said that on a balcony of space stepped a pure and a holy God. In an awesome solitude, he stood alone. No 
one faint star to give him light. Just endless rolling in blackest night. But somehow through all the darkness, he could see. He saw mountains high and lofty. He saw valleys lush and green. He saw babbling brooks and wildflowers grow. Even heard a robin sing. But he felt a strange compassion as close to love can be. Standing out there in his tomorrows, he saw me. He saw me in his likeness. He saw me just like him. Pure, clean, holy, spotless, and white within. But he saw me bound in chains. How many of you remember you used to be bound in chains? He saw me bound in chains and chains and longed to set me free. But he knew if I were to be like him, he first must become like me. That's what the writer of this song wrote. And that's what Jesus, that's what God looked at in this world. Nothing, but at the end result, he saw creation and then he saw us. He saw that nothing can turn into something. This whole world was designed so you and I could inhabit it, so God could have a people. And from the very beginning, God sought after that. And it's really evident when you read the book of Genesis, and you'll find that Adam did come out in the coolness of the day to talk with God. That's what it said God did after he created. After God created all these things and had the garden and had such a favorable environment there, the one thing he did afterwards, it didn't say he continued creating. It says that he came out to talk with Adam, which tells me that was his driving force, relationship. And, and, and in trying to pursue that, Adam fails and Eve, they fall short, but yet God still desired to, to make a way and to do something about that. So you'll find that even during the duration of that relationship that God had to clothe them with the animal skins and make a way, telling me that there was blood that was shed for them, for them to continue this relationship, even though they were kicked out of the garden per se, he still through sacrifice made away, and this is where they adopted. This is where they began to instill something inheritedly known from God. I believe God gave them understanding that if they were to get close to him, there had to be a life given to a life because of their sinful nature. Now, Adam and Eve knew this, and they taught it to their children, but Abel was the only one that got it. Cain missed it and thought he could grow his own, you know, his, with his own talent, his own hands, grow his own sacrifice and brought it to God. He was displeasing to God. We know the story. And Cain killed Abel, and God judged him for that. And then you keep on looking down the lineage of this, this family, and you can see uh, episode after episode. And finally, God says, you know, I, I really have had enough, and I, it really breaks my heart that humanity has gone the way it has, and, and I'm going to cause a flood to come. And but I'm going to save Noah. Noah's going to be the guy that's going to build a new generation of believers. And God caused that to come. 
And then one day after 40 days and 40 nights and, and, and just time in the water, dry land appeared and boat was docked. And then he got out and made an altar and that blood sacrifice again. That savory smell, whatever it came out, that fire what was sufficient for God enough to look at that and give him a rainbow and a sign of a covenant stating that he would never destroy the earth by water again. He would never destroy the entire earth like that. And Noah found favor with God. But yet you'll find Noah again. Noah falls short and he has him build a vineyard and out of the vineyard gets drunk and then he gets naked and his kids cause him shame and one of them look and mock him openly and, and it just became a curse to them. And you find more of this this ill repute that just comes out of the lineage of what God has done. And then you find David, who, who actually was a man after God's own heart. And, and then David, you know, being a, a young warrior, uh, having a heart for God, laying his life down to kill a giant, he, he literally uh, becomes king. And when he gets there, gets a little bit uh, comfortable. He gets way too comfortable. And instead of going into battle, he stays behind the battle and he looks into a lady who was taking a bath. Her name was Bathsheba, and that should have gave it away from the very beginning, right? But he still looked, and he had a relationship with her and had a child, and, and then he killed her husband, and then he sought God. In Psalms 51, he, he pleaded with God and said, God, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And God did. And God blessed him. And God brought Solomon. And Solomon was born. And Solomon was the wisest king there ever was. But Solomon messed up too. Solomon had more wives than he could handle. And then you look down the line and you see everything that happened and there were prostitutes that were in that lineage there were people who lied there were people who who, who were stealers who were thieves like Jacob who stole the birthright from Esau and, and through all of this down to Mary and Joseph there you find Jesus coming out of that imperfected lineage and God said I'm going to use that line of imperfection to bring a perfect salvation into this world and to set my people free and to give a lamb that was going to be enough that, that they don't have to go back to the old rituals and the old tradition that this is going to be enough. You know, God isn't looking for perfect people. God is just looking for people who know how to go to him and ask him for forgiveness and say, I'm sorry, it was me. We aren't too proud to say I messed up big again. How many of you have ever gone to God and say, it's me again? Am I the only one? Got two right here. I saw your hands go up fast. <laughs> That's good. Nothing wrong with that. The faster you can get to the blood, the faster you can get out of your trouble. God said, I'm going to send my son. And when you look at this theologically, 
you look into the scripture and you write what the writer and you look at what the writer was saying in the book of Hebrews. He was trying to give them the indication that Jesus was the Messiah and they didn't have to go through the old traditions of the high priest, but he became the high priest. And the paradox of this is, is that not only did he become the high priest, he also became the lamb. He became all things. He became all things to all men. Point number one, and we're going to build on this just for a moment. Jesus became like us so we can become like him. And that was the intent. After all of these years of frustration, of, of, of us falling short, and I say us, even though we came out of a different lineage, we were Gentiles and we still are human. We are still born into sin and we still have this nature about us. I mean, have you ever taught your child to lie? No one's ever taught their child to lie. They just learned it on their own. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. And then we have to teach them what's right and what's wrong. But the day that our children understand that Jesus is their Savior and their Lord and they learn how to have a relationship with God is the greatest thing that can happen for any parent. The power of God isn't just meant for adults. It's also meant for children. It's also meant for your entire family. Because no matter how old you are or how young you are, we all need Jesus. We all need help. We all need that assistance from God. And God looked down, and despite the fall from Adam all the way to David to Moses and all those in between, God looked down and said, you know, those blood sacrifices aren't enough anymore. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5 says that, therefore, when he had come into the world, he said, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. God said, this time I'm sending my son and I'm stepping into the world. And God robed himself in flesh, according to 1 John in the gospel. And, the word, and God became flesh in verse 14. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The word word comes from the word Lagos. Logos, not Lego. Logos. And he robed himself in flesh in verse 14 in John chapter 1. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And truth came into the world. And truth began to talk to us. And truth began to show us what God is really like. And so we wondered in Hebrews chapter 1, what is God saying now? But now in verse 2, we know what he was saying. Because he came into this world to set the captives free. He came to open up the prison doors to them that were bound to break the fetters and the chains and to set people at liberty, to, to, to celebrate the, the jubilee of God, the year of celebration of salvation and freedom. And, and now we experience this when we read the Bible that, that God robed in human flesh and the Son of God, he came into this world and everyone he came encounter with, he helped them. He helped them. He raised them out of beds when they were lame. He opened up blind eyes when they couldn't see. He gave them understanding and taught them and helped them to relate to God. And, 
and he, he was there to, to be a blessing. He was there to exemplify what it really was like in heaven and what this is going to be like. He shifted from an old dispensation and moved into a dispensation of grace. He moved into a new era of, from law and was going into a new era of love. And walking in from an old, old era of religion, walking into a new era of relationship. And now he was trying to tell the world, what you see in my life, you can see in yours. Because I have a relationship with the Father. And because I'm going to the Father, I'm going to come back to you. And the Father will be with you as he was with me. And I will be with you as I, you are with me. He was trying to convey to them, I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to help you. And when you mess up, when you fall... You don't have to go find and raise a good herd or breed. You can just come to me because I gave my life. And you can simply say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. And you will be forgiven in Jesus' name. First John chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. But if any sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus Christ the righteous. And so when Jesus came into the world, the whole intent was he was trying to convey this to the Jewish nation. Don't raise your sheep and your goats and your cattle anymore. I'm going to give you, God gave us a sacrifice. Jesus was that sacrifice. Depend on him. Trust him because point number two, Jesus can be trusted because he's been tested. Jesus can be trusted because he's been tested. We read to you in the 18th verse in the scripture text, and I'll read it again. For in him that himself has suffered, being tempted, say with me, Jesus was tempted. He is able to aid those who are tempted. Let me say that in layman's terms. Let me try to say it simple. Because he overcame, you can overcome. Because he passed the test, you can pass yours. Not just because it, he did it and kept it to himself. No. Because what was in him was tested. And what was in him, watch this now. What was in the body of Christ... The body died at Calvary, but what was in him lived forever. And what was in him, when he went back and went to the grave, what was in him went down to taste death so you don't have to taste it. The Spirit of Christ went down to hell and experienced hell so you don't have to experience it. But here's what happened. He didn't go down there like a slave. He went down there like the Terminator. <laughs> kicked down the front door. Took the keys and said, I think these belong to me. And came back up into the body and resurrected the body. And because that happened, because he was resurrected, you're going to be resurrected too. But not only that, not only that. But he ascended up on high. 
And they were sad when he left, and the angels looked and said to them, don't be sad, because in the same manner in which he left, he's going to come back again. Now, Jesus is coming back one day, but I got to tell you, the Spirit of Christ has already come. That'll make you go haywire for a little bit if you're stuck on religion. I believe Jesus is coming back one day, but I also believe that he, brought, he, brought, he gave us his spirit to live in happiness and joy and authority and peace and have empowerment in this moment and help you and I live a life of power and authority. You see, Jesus went through things so you and I could remember. The integrity of the Holy Spirit was proven and tested in the life of Christ. In other words, the Spirit itself led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Can you imagine that? But the Spirit had to lead him into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights because what was in him had to be tested so you and I could trust him. Listen to this. After he went through and Satan himself came and tempted him and said, hey, turn those stones to bread. And he looked at him and said, the Bible, that's what he quoted. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he stopped that trick. And then he took him to a high mountain, to a high place. And then he showed him all the riches of the world and said, the devil told him and said, if you'll Worship me. I'll give you all of this because it's my privilege as the God of this world. See, that's another whole Bible study because, because you got to understand something. Just because you see some other people prospering and they're not living right doesn't mean God blessed them. That's all I'm telling you right now. But just remember, when God blesses you, it's without a curse, and God uses it to build the kingdom, and God uses it to bless and save your family. I've had people come to church and, and they couldn't succeed even if there were two of them. But when they got saved and got their heart right, then it's like God says, now I can trust you. Now you won't put this and this won't be your God. And now you, you, can, you, can, you can live right because you know I've blessed you. That's what happened to Israel. They got impatient. They got impatient and they built a golden calf. <laughs> they couldn't wait. God told Moses, he said, Moses, the people you brought out, <laughs> isn't that funny? He said, your people, when they sinned, they were Moses' people. When they were living right, they were God's people. God's smart. <laughs> so I, when I see my people messing up, I say, well, that's your people, not my people. I'm glad I'm Italian. People get impatient sometimes and they start building idols because they think that God is idle and he forgot about them. God doesn't sleep. God doesn't get tired. God is still going to come through for you. God just wants you to have some integrity and understand something that you can't depend on your own strengths. You can't depend on your own psyche. You can't read all those self, self-help books. I love self-help books sometimes and I think they're inspiring. But God wanted to do more than inspire me. He wanted to empower me. He, does, he wants to do more than inspire you. God wants to empower you. And so in order to understand that, you've got to look at the life of Jesus and see what Jesus did. And so the scripture says that in verse 12, uh, Luke 4 and verse 12 and 14, the scripture also says that you must, you must not test God. That's what Jesus told the devil. You must not test God. 
And when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity comes. See, the devil's a spirit. He doesn't get tired. He'll still try to come around, but now you're ready for him. That's why some of the problems you went through before were nothing more than a preliminary to exercise your spiritual muscle and your integrity and your character because next time he comes around, you'll be ready for him. Some of you went through the test because you are getting prepared for another whole level and another whole place in your life. So don't look at problems and go, oh, my God, how long is this going to last? Look at it and say, I'm going to grow in this. I'm going to learn from this. I am going to better myself in this, and I'm going to be prepared. You don't have to live in a place of constant falling. You can live in a life of constant victory. With the power of God in your life, it happened to Jesus. He walked in this world without sin. That doesn't mean we'll never fall, never fail. I'm not going to give you some kind of uh, uh, unrealistic reality. The reality is, is that we are all going to fall. It's not, you know, where we fall or how we fall. It's when we fall. But the blood of Jesus cleanses us the grace of God empowers us and it makes you unstoppable Jesus was unstoppable Jesus was unstoppable he went to the region after that the angels came but listen to what it says throw the scripture back up there leave the scripture there just for a little bit okay here's what the scripture says then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Someone say power. power. And reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. Catch this. He didn't have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, nothing. Word of mouth, people, word spread that God was with him. You see, when you're walking with God, you don't got to tell nobody God's with you. People will know. People will know by the favor, by the protection, by the things that God does for you. There are some signs that follow you. We don't follow signs. Look in back of you. You should see some signs. You should see some moments where God provided for you and made a way where there was no other way. You should see some moments where God did a miracle for you and your family. Some God healed you back here. When next time somebody tries to tell you that you're not right with God, look back at your trail to reaffirm yourself and look back and say, you know what? When I look back, I've got no past. I've got a great Great record there of nothing but victory because my sins have been forgiven in those moments. My past is washed away. Only the good things reside right there. And I remember where the Lord brought me from. Therefore, my future is bright. You've got a bright future because Jesus gave you the future. Jesus gave you a second chance. Let me move on. Let me move on. And so in this moment, here's what we know. To the Hebrews, he was trying to tell them, next time you're tempted, next time you fall short, remember, don't rely on yourself and don't rely on anyone else. Just rely on Jesus. He's enough. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 says this, no temptation has overtaken you except such 
as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God makes a way. God makes a way. That's why Jesus didn't seek the approval of anyone except the Father. Nobody. The Father put the seal of approval on Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, when he went under the water, when John baptized him, there was a voice that came from heaven, and it thundered over Jesus. And that voice said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. That was his obedience. But did you know that God puts his seal of approval on us? Did you know that God does things for us in our lives? I, I, um, so when I was little, I had this problem. My mama couldn't find shoes for me. I had fat feet, man. <laughs> Just fat feet. She'd always take me to, to try to buy me some nice shoes, but they had a hard time finding those. So she just said, you know what? He outgrows his shoes so fast. He whatever. So she took me to Kmart. I got Kmart shoes and I got Payless shoes because my feet just kept shredding those other shoes apart like the Hulk. <laughs> I shopped, my mama shopped at Kmart for me, man. I, I mean, I had guest jeans. Like, guess what kind of jeans you have? <laughs> so, that being said, my son is like over six foot tall. My oldest son, Caleb. So, the weird thing is, is that when I stand next to Caleb, I look like a little mini-me. Without hair, Caleb, I'm way shorter than But we have the same foot size. <laughs> Can't explain that. I'm a troll. I don't know what to think. <laughs> so I'm wearing my son's shoes this morning. That's why I wore these shoes. More of an illustrative method. You like those? Yeah. See, these are some James Harden shoes. That's what they are, right? So I didn't know anything about this. I just saw him and said, hey, son, those are cool shoes, man. Then he started telling me the story. He said, yeah, Dad. He said, man, I, I, was, I was wanting some basketball shoes. I play basketball with the guys. Some of you play basketball with them. And he said, my old sho shoes were just raggedy. And he said, I was trying to find some good ones, but I didn't want to spend a whole lot of money, but I wanted a good, decent pair. And I said, okay. He said, so I found some. He said, but the ones I wanted, they stopped selling, but I was trying to find the, the, the real shoes because there are some fake ones out there in the market. I said, fake ones? We talked about this a long time ago. Actually, we, I, I researched it before that. And, and what I found out was is that overseas, when they, where they make these shoes, Adidas, Nikes, all these different kinds of brands, they make them in these countries. And when they make the shoes and they send them out, they're authentic and they have to be certified and they have to be checked, quality checked, all of this stuff. And they have numbers on them to verify everything. Well, my son found these James Harden shoes from Adidas, and he was trying to find the pair he wanted, and he had to go to some place called StockX. And so he said, StockX actually is a place where people 
sell their shoes or maybe they found some brand new ones and they try to resell them or they have the old shoes and they try to resell them used maybe and, but but they're authentic and they can verify it because they check the number and they also know from the manufacturer the little details of how the stitching is sizes and different locations and how the material is different types of material and so forth the irony of that is is that the reason why there are fake ones and it's hard to tell is because in those third world countries just like america people get laid off too so when they get laid off they actually go work for another company that has all the other layoffs and there are people that were in the original manufacturer store that are now making them for someone else because they know how to make them. So they have access to a lot of the same material, but not everything. So they, re they duplicate the shoe in the same town across the street. And it's, no one does anything about it. They're so bold about it, you can do the research. They'll even put replicas fake Nikes, Adidas, and people will go straight there because they pay only a quarter of the price. And they look just like them. There may be something off about them because they're not quality assured like the other places are, and the material may be shoddy in some part of the shoe, but they look just like them. In fact, if these were fake, you couldn't tell from where you're sitting. But if you picked them up, looked at them, and inspected them, you can tell. So he bought them from this place, and every place that sell, and every time they sell a shoe, this little seal comes with it. This seal right here. And on the back side is that code where you can literally put your phone on it, and it gives you all the details of your shoes, where it was made, all the qualifications and the standards and everything to verify that it's real. What I'm saying this to you for is for this one reason. There are a lot of religions and a lot of theologies and mindsets that are trying to take a place of the Spirit of God in our lives. And there's a lot of fake, I hate to say that word, but it's probably the only thing I can think of right now that can come close. There's some fake or, how would I say, decoys? Counterfeit, thank you. Holy sister, <laughs> counterfeits out there that would make you think that if you just did this, you would be a happier person. Or if you had this much money, then you would be at peace. Or if you succeeded and worked hard in this area and not go to church at all, not live for God, that you would be much happier. Are different books that will tell you how to get so motivated to get your adrenaline going so hard and so fast that you can push it down to your feet and walk over hot coals. Some of you know what I'm talking about. What I've learned is defined, what really defines happiness in my life is the peace of mind that God gives me because I've been reconciled to him. What I've found that brings real joy in my life is the joy of the Lord. That's my salvation and that brings me peace of mind, and that brings me that mindset that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when I look at this book right here, when I look at this book, the, the reason why this book is better than other books 
is because every time I read it, and every time I pray with it, and every time I search God in it, the author of the book, God himself, he comes into my life and touches me. He gives me validation. He's given me a seal of approval called the Holy Spirit. Let me show you this real quick. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says this. In him you also trusted. We trusted in him. How many of you trusted him here this Sunday morning? Do you trust him? Come on, somebody. Do you trust him? After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also having believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So there's a seal inside of you. There is something different about you that's in this book because this book becomes alive. The author of the book shows up when you worship him. And when you start believing and trusting in him, you start experiencing something that validates your experience. And that's what the writer of Hebrews was trying to tell the nation of Israel. There's something better for you. There is something better for you. Come on, Haley. In closing thoughts, let me read this to you. Because Jesus conquered death, death will never conquer us. And that's what we have to realize in our life. What we have. You know, I'm going to tell you, I don't understand it sometimes. I really don't. I don't understand how people sometimes cannot get excited about this experience or not be passionate about it or just kind of be kind of lackadaisical with it and not feel any kind of an emotion because it, is, it isn't all about feeling. But you know what? On the flip side, without feeling him, I don't know if I would want to keep doing what I'm doing right now if I couldn't feel him. Without feeling him, I don't know if I would feel like going out into the world and dealing with life. But because I feel him and because I experience him and because he's with me, I have power. I have authority. I have faith. I have love. I have peace. I have joy. I have gentleness. I have meekness. I have every fruit of the spirit in my life that enables me to be an overcomer in my life. And when I look at death, death doesn't cause me to be fearful anymore but death I look at it now and say you used to have power over me but now I've got power over you because my God overcame you and I can receive that in my life and look forward to a bright future and that should change our mindset and that should get us out of religion and that should make cold pews hot cold seats hot and get us out of mediocrity and get us into a fervent passion relationship with Jesus Christ not because I say it but because you believe what the book says and you believe in your God and you believe that he is there and he's done something for you people that have been forgiven they know how to worship God people who have been delivered they know how to worship God people who have experienced Jesus they know how to worship Jesus. They know he's alive. They know he's well. And if you don't, you got to re-examine yourself. you got to make sure you still believe. you got to make sure you still hold on to the faith. you got to get excited about him every once in a while. Because sometimes he just gets happy inside of you. And you can 
feel him begin to leap for joy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here this Sunday morning? Come on, stand to your feet, lift your hands, and just begin to worship. Lift your hands here this Sunday morning and tell them, thank you. Thank you for the seal of approval in my life, which is the blood, which is your mercy. God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, if you're in this place, and if you're watching online, and you've not given your life to Jesus, that you would make him the Lord of your life right now by saying, Father, forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. Come and live in my heart. Come and walk with me and talk with me and lead me and guide me today in Jesus' name. And I pray right now and over your life, if you've been living for God for 10 years, 20 years, 30, or 30 minutes, it doesn't matter. Right now in this moment, I pray that the Spirit of God would begin to be alive inside of you, that you would be renewed by your faith, that you would be fiery again, that you would become passionate again, that you would become solid again on the foundation of who He is and not be dead and not be boring, but be happy and be filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory right now in Jesus' name. Come alive again in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, touch your people today. Touch your people today, Father. Touch your people today. Come on, somebody receive right now. Say, Jesus, I want more of you. Jesus, I want more of you. Jesus, become alive in me. Become alive in me. Become alive again. Become alive again. Let me find my joy. Let me find my purpose. Let me find my reason. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.